about that. I'm preaching the second part of the message today, the other set of eyes. And I'm excited more so about this particular one than I am last week, but I do want to take you back to last week and remember the story of Hagar and Ishmael uh, in the, Judean, uh, the Judean desert in Genesis chapter 21, 15 through 19. And I'm just going to kind of just bring you to a place. Uh, Hagar was heartbroken uh, because of the place uh, where they were in their life. And look, guys, sometimes we are in the desert. Sometimes we are in the desert and we feel like that we're all alone in the desert. And she put Ishmael under a shrub and walked away because she could not bear the thought of losing her son, her son dying of thirst and not having food, and put him underneath the brush and walked away uh, because of heat exhaustion and the lack of food and water. And then in verse 19, the Bible said, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and she filled the bottle of water and gave her lad Ishmael a drink. Um, it is found four times in the scripture where it actually says that God opened certain individuals' eyes. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus as we get into part two of this series of the other set of eyes, Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your anointing, and I thank you for it, and I praise you, Lord, for it, and I glorify you for it, for who you are, and you're worthy to be praised. Open the hearts of the people, open their spiritual eyes to be able to hear what you are saying to us, and we give you thanks, and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Title of the message, part two of the other set of eyes. Kathy, if you could put Numbers chapter 22, verse 8 on the screen. I want to show you a few things about this particular chapter. I am going to read from the English Standard Version. The, the King James Version of the Bible changes the word donkey and it's in there a lot. So I'm thinking, all right, God, if I'm going to preach this sermon without people going ballistic and laughing because of the word that's in there, it's in the Bible. I, I, it's not that I couldn't read it, but just, just bear with me. Here we go. Are you ready? Say amen. In verse Numbers uh, 22, verses 8 through 34, and he said unto them, now understand, Israel was moving into the area, uh, and, and I'll just tell you a story here, and he said unto them, Lodge here tonight, lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the prince of Moab stayed with Balaam. Verse 9 says, And God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? That I marvel at that. I'm going to go through each particular uh, verse here because I marvel at that. Because God knows everything, right? <coughs> I heard one person. God knows everything, right? But so as you think through the process of this, he said, who are these men with you? And what Balaam doesn't know is that he is going to be in danger soon. 
Sometimes we don't know that we are going to be in danger soon because we are not looking through our spiritual eyes. We are looking in the physical eyes. We're running around sometimes with the wrong people. We're doing the wrong things. We're getting involved in the things that we shouldn't do. Behind closed doors, we're not being obedient to God in what we look at on the internet or what we're saying or the jokes that we're telling. We have to be so careful because we don't want to be in danger. So as I continue through here, you have to also remember that people can be planted in your ministry to destroy it. Are you with me? I have had people snuggle up next to me in 30 years of ministry thinking that they are going to help you to get to the next level. And I got to tell you, many times I have been gullible in that situation, not looking through the spiritual eyes, but looking through the physical eyes. Just because someone is talented doesn't mean that they're anointed. We get the anointing mixed up with talent. Just because they're, they're talented, we think they're talented, they're anointed. But here's the thing. We have to be so careful, and many of you today are starting ministries. Many of you are getting involved in ministries. Be careful who you're working with within the ministry so that they don't destroy your ministry. Amen? The church needs to be careful who you hang around with. Be careful wearing your Pulse t-shirt out amongst people that you shouldn't be around. They may not be good for you. They may destroy your destiny. That is where discernment comes in. You have got to use discernment. God asked Balaam, who are these dudes with you? Verse 10 said, and Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippor. Now, how I remember that was I thought, okay, zipper. So I reached down and checked my zipper to make sure. So that's how I remember that. So, and he was the king of Moab. He said, has sent to, to you to say this. He said, behold, the people has come out of Egypt. Who's he talking about? Talking about Israel. The Israelites coming out of Egypt and, and have covered the face of the earth. This is what Balak said. He says, now come and curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. Balaam being a prophet, but you have to understand something, is that Balaam, and you'll read this later on as we, as we continue in the scripture, you will understand that he became greedy because he was offered money. He was offered fame. He was offered things. He was offered a lot of things. But yet he's being tempted. To, here's the thing that you have, to be, you have to be careful of. Phyllis Arnold, president, One Valley Bank, BB&T in the Charleston market. Wonderful lady, dear friend of mine. She said in a meeting that we were in one day, she said, you have to pick and choose your battles and when you are going to fight them. I like going to YouTube and watching, and I don't know why I like watching this, but I like watching 
um, the baseball and the football ejections. I love watching those. I don't know why I love watching those. My dad was a, uh, was a football uh, referee and a baseball uh, official, uh, umpire for years. And, and, and I, uh, we went to some of his games. I never saw him throw anybody out. But he always said they threw themselves out. But what I have noticed that when you watch these things and the pitcher and he, and he comes back and he throws the ball and he hits the guy, when he hits the batter, most occasions, both dugouts clear. And there's a pileup at the mound. And there's a fight. What we have to be careful of, church, is not to get in the middle of somebody else's fight. Are you with me? Not get in the middle of somebody else's battle. Not going over there and trying to rescue people. I learned that early in life in, in ministry. I, there's some people that you just can't rescue. Sometimes you just got to let them fall flat on their face and you pick up the pieces. So within this story, Balaam's got these dudes that are hanging with him. And he's saying, I want you to come out and I want you to clear out the Israelites and take them out. Understand something, Israel is what? Blessed. So when you pick on Israel, you're picking on God. They will tell you in Israel that God is a local phone number in Israel. You don't have to dial one. Behold, these people are coming. And they're all over the face of the earth. And come and curse them for me. Come and get in a fight with them. You have to be careful not to step out of your calling. Just because someone has sent word to you and says, hey, come over here and help me. That doesn't mean you have to go. Look at David. David lusted after Bathsheba because of the fact is that he should have been out on the field fighting but instead he stayed in why because he was a warrior some of you are warriors some of you need to be on the battlefield winning souls for the kingdom of God but yet you're staying within the four walls and under captivity because of your addiction or because of your struggle it's time for you to branch out and go to war for souls to be saved People to be healed. People to be set free. Pick and choose your battles and stay out of people's business. Because you might get killed. Watch this. In verse 12, God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. What nerve! You need to seek God's blessing for your life. And when you have God's blessing over your life, He will protect you from things and from people that you don't even see. He'll protect you from things that you don't even see. Things that He has already 
he has already worked out for you so that you can pave the way for the next person, so that you can see that soul saved. He will move people out of your life. My question is, is why did he go to Balaam? Why didn't he just do it himself? In verse 18, but Balaam answered, and he said to the servants of Balak, he said, the servant of Balak, he said, through Balak, we have to give a full house of silver and gold, and I could not go beyond the command of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. See, there's where the money comes in. You have to be careful because that's where it came in. So, you to please stay here tonight that I may know what the Lord will say to me. And God came to Balaam again in the night, and he said unto him in verse 20, If the man, if the men have come to call you, rise and go with them, but only do what I tell you. Now, God was furious with Balaam over this thing. But when I read the scripture, I read the scripture and I thought, well, he, he told him to, to go. He, he said that it, it's okay if you, if you go with them uh, and only do what I tell you. He, he told him, God said that you could do this. Here's the thing that we don't read is the fine print within this is the men didn't come calling to him. There's no evidence that those men showed up and gave him the okay to go. Church, we have to understand within our lives that sometimes if God tells us not to go, why do we go anyway? Because we feel like it. Because our flesh wants to. Because we, we have a, our own desires. And because it feels good. Let me tell you something, church. Just because you want to go don't mean that God wants you to go. Are you with me? Verse 22 says, and God, God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on a donkey and his two servants were with him and he was going for the money. He was going for the fame. He was going for the fortune. He was on his way. And he's going, and he's going to fight Israel. Because this prophet lost his vision. He lost his, 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 his spiritual vision and was relying on his natural vision. Are you with me so far? Say amen. So God's furious because he disobeyed. He went up, he got up and he went. Those men didn't come to call him. Let me tell you something. It is serious when you disobey God. It's serious when you disobey God. And I've done it, you've done it, we've all done it, but it is serious. And there are consequences by disobeying God. Church, it is time for the body of Christ to get our flesh under submission and quit doing what feels good. We'll never amount to anything if we don't. So the donkey saw the angel, verse 23, of the Lord standing in the road. 
with a drawn sword in his hand, ready to kill Balaam because he disobeyed. And the donkey turned aside, turned aside out of the road, and he went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the road. We serve such a great God because when you look at the next scripture uh, and, and down through here, the path that we are on of disobedience may start wide, but it will become narrower as you get close to destruction. Are you with me? Isn't it good that we serve a mighty God that he would give us a huge field to turn around in when we first start down the wrong path? Isn't it good that he does that? Thank you, God, for giving me a big spot to turn around before the path gets narrow. Balaam didn't see the angel of the Lord standing in the road because he was looking at his physical eyes. He was looking at the pride of life. The, the, he, he was looking at greed. He was looking at going to kill these people. He had his mind on something. Something that we have to do is not allow our spiritual vision to become blind. You must ask God when you go through a circumstance or you go through a situation, God, what are you trying to show me through this situation? But Balaam didn't see, but he blamed it on the donkey. And he struck the donkey. Do you ever feel that sometimes that you're not supposed to be hanging around with the friends that you're hanging around with? Or that you're going down the road that you're on and you're headed for disaster? Some of you people that grew up at the time that I did. There was a group called Molly Hatchet. Anybody remember Molly Hatchet? I'm flirting with disaster, y'all know what I mean. Some of you are flirting with disaster. We're not going to use that song for altar call. But you know what I'm saying? Some of us are flirting with disaster. You're one decision away from disaster. One decision away from disaster. And you're not looking through the spiritual eyes to see what God is saying to you. It's called carnality. So sometimes the people that you're hanging around with aren't supposed to be the ones that you're hanging around with. Some of us are going down the road that we shouldn't be on and we're headed for disaster. In verse 24, it says this. <coughs> it says, the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path. Now understand, this narrow path, it became narrow. And from the field that they were in, between the, the vineyards, there was a wall on both sides. You know, those who drive big, uh, big trucks or heavy equipment, um, you have to be careful not to go down a road that you can't back up out of. You also have to do that within your own life and with your own spiritual life and with your, your, your children and your, your, your spouse. The road is narrowing, narrowing and the wall 
is on both sides. And as we continue down the wrong path, the devil will begin to suck the life out of you. And smother you in a tight space. And the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyard. And the wall was on both sides. And verse 25, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord again the second time... She pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. And he struck her again. Isn't it amazing that the donkey was able to see what was going on, but Balaam wasn't? In verse 26 it says, and the angel of the Lord went ahead. Isn't that amazing there? You, you could miss that word there where he says, and he went ahead into the narrow place. It's like, okay, uh, he, he moved right here, and he stood right there, and he drew his sword. The donkey saw it. Well, he's kept going. So here's another chance. The angel of the Lord stood, and as the road narrowed, and, and he stood right there. And then it says again the third time, and he went ahead. God goes ahead of us, church. He will make the crooked path straight for you if you're in his will. The angel of the Lord went ahead and he stood into the narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. He stuck. Come on now, has anybody ever been there in their life where they've been stuck? You've been stuck and, and you can't see anything because you're, there's, all you see is the obstacle around you. All you see is the obstacle to the right and the obstacle to the left and you have nowhere to go. And guess who got yourself in that situation? You did. And we want to blame God. That's what I tell. We were talking about this on the, on, on the road to Damascus on, on Friday night at, at 6 o'clock. We were, we were talking about that. And, and, and somebody had made a comment about the fact is that, you know, we try to give God stuff, but he didn't give it to us in the first place. God don't give us things that, that are to hurt us. But, I mean, that goes, that goes against Jeremiah 29, 11, does it not? What's Jeremiah 29, 11, Andy? Absolutely, thank you for reading that. It's his favorite scripture. Not to harm you. Who wants to lie to kill and to destroy on you? Come on, you can say his name, but use a little D. It's the devil. The devil wants to destroy you. He wants you hanging around with the wrong people. He wants you pregnant. He wants you with the wrong person. He wants you this. He wants you broke. That's what the enemy wants. But see, God is a God where he wants you to have abundant life and have it more abundantly he wants you to have that but let me tell you something it's because of our stupidity and because of us wanting to do our way and allow our flesh to have its way oh I'm preaching but I tell you what if you can get your flesh under control God can get control of you it's a truth There's no way out but Jesus. 
And the donkey, in verse 27, saw the angel of the Lord. And she laid down under Balaam. And Balaam, Balaam's ang anger was kindled because of this. And he struck the donkey with his staff. Isn't it amazing that we mistreat the very things that God is using to save us? Wow. Now this is what blows your mind. Is that the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said unto Balaam, What have I done to you? That you have struck me these three times. And, and, and just. It doesn't say that. Balaam checked himself into a mental institution. It doesn't say that he lost his marbles. But he says. And Balaam said uh, uh, to the donkey. It was just like a matter of fact. Well you know you're talking to me. I'm going to talk to you. He says because you have made a fool of me and I wish that I had a sword in my hand and I would kill you. Verse 30 says, And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden your life long all these days? He's had this donkey for a long time. Those who have animals or those who have horses or or." Uh, you know, you have them You have them for a long time, and, and this one starts talking to him. And, and, and so, he says, but yet you'll draw a sword, and, and, and you'll draw me down. I've been your donkey all this time, and it is not my habit to treat you this way. And Balaam said, no, he said, it's not. Here's what happened. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way. With his drawn sword in his hand. And Balaam bowed down and fell to his face. And the angel of the Lord said unto him. So not only has two things happened. A donkey has talked to Balaam, but not only that, God opened his eyes just like he did Hagar. I'm praying God opens your spiritual eyes so that you could see what he really wants to do in your life. This is what the angel of the Lord said in verse 32. He says, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold... I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The NIV version of verse 32 says, And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless. Your path is reckless. 
Are you on a reckless path? Are you in a relationship that you shouldn't be in? Are you in, in the path of destruction? We have told people. I have counseled with some of you all. And some of you all have helped me counsel. And we look at them and we think, they're not ready for help. Because the flesh and the perverse grip has such a strong hold. Now let me tell you something, church. Until your dying day, there are opportunities for you to let your flesh reign in your body. But that's not the will of God for your life. <clears throat> the donkey saw me in verse 33. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me three times. If he, if he had not turned aside for me th three times, surely just now I would have killed you and let the donkeys live. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, he said, I have sinned, for I did not know that you stood in the road against me. Why did he not know? Because he allowed his flesh, he allowed his greed, he allowed the fame of killing a blessed nation. What if God wouldn't have put the angel of the Lord in front of Balaam. And he did go fight. And he did kill. Are you doing God's will for your life? Are you doing what God is calling you to do? Or are you in a place of saying, I have sinned? For I didn't know that you stood in the road. We need to ask ourselves to open for God to open up our spiritual eyes so that we could see. This story is magnificent. This is a magnificent story. It's over in Numbers chapter 22. I ask you to, to read it um, even outside of, of the hearing today. If you have evil in your sight, and that's what he told, that's what the, the angel of the Lord told Balaam. He said that you have, you have evil in your sight. So the question is today, three questions I want to ask you. What are you doing that is evil in God's sight? Any sin that you are involved in is not pleasing to God. Are you with me? It's not pleasing to God. Any sin that you and me commit is not pleasing to God and there are consequences with those sins and we cannot back down from the judgment of what God what God says I mean he it was so serious that he was going to kill Balaam the second thing is this do you think it's time to turn around do you think it's time to turn around are you living and struggling and going down the road of destruction. If you can't see through your spiritual eyes. The alarms and the warnings. 
<coughs> the airplane that I fly, um, it's an old airplane. It's a 1967 airplane, but it passes its annuals every year, and, and it, it does very well, and it flies very well, and it flies, uh, you, you climb uh, 500 feet a minute like you're supposed to with a Cessna 150, and it does very well. But I looked over, <coughs> and when I was flying the other day, I looked over, and I saw the amperage on the airplane fluctuating because I know this airplane. I have flown this airplane many, many hours, and I know this airplane. But I looked over, and where you have a beacon that's on the back of the airplane, back up on the, uh, up on the tail, and so what happens is that when you turn that light on, it'll go flip, flip, flip. Every time that that light will flicker, you'll see your amps go to the positive, which means that you have a positive charge. But I noticed that the other day when I was flying that it, would, it, would, it had a variation between the positive and the negative and that there were times that it would flip to the negative just a little bit like that. It would go like that and then back, back over and it would go like that. How did I know that? Because I know that airplane. And you know how I knew that? Is because I was not so fixated upon the horizon that occasionally I would look down because Brad taught me to scan the instruments. Look around, you're constantly looking, you're, you're looking for things. We have become so narrow-minded within the church that we have become so focused that we can't see the gauges and the warning signs around us. Are you with me? And I've had people get mad at me over the years. People that, you know, I had, I had a couple one time, they, they, uh, they said, uh, they said we, we want to get married. And, and the couple, you know, was married to other people. Wanted my approval. <laughs> One of my approval. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I made a comment and I said, if this was a cockpit and there was all kinds of lights uh, that were in the, in the airplane and all kinds of gauges, I said, they, a bunch of them would be going off right now and we'd be crashing. It's exactly my words. It's exactly what I said. But when our flesh is in operation and it tries to, to reign our spirit, and it try, one thing that we don't understand is that we have a battle between the flesh and the spirit. Your spirit is trying to get you to heaven and your flesh is trying to send you to hell. But the word of God tells you and me that we have control over our flesh. Say, no, I don't. Well, you may not, but you could have. But what you have to do is you've got to sell out to God. You've got to sell out to God. You've got to give it to Him. And you've got to be able to, to share Jesus with people. And you've got to be able to get your flesh under submission that no matter if a good-looking guy walks down the street or a good-looking woman goes down the street, you don't undress them with your eyes. You could get victory in your, air, in, in, in your life that way. You say, well, no, I'm just a man or I'm just a woman. No, you can get victory because Jesus says you can get victory. You just don't want to. 
Your flesh don't want to fast. Your flesh don't want to live right. Your flesh don't want to do right. Your flesh don't want to read the Word of God. Your flesh don't want to talk right. Your flesh doesn't want to. But your spirit is perfect. Let it have control. (coughs) So the questions are, what are you doing that's evil in the sight of God? The second thing is, is don't you think that it's time to turn around? And number three is, are you seeing the warning signs? Because if that airplane and the amperage didn't fluctuate back to positive, but would have stayed negative, that means it's discharging and, the, and it's not working like it's supposed to. And eventually my gauges would go dead. And I could crash. You've got to keep a close eye on yourself, church. This is a good word. It's a good word for you. And it's a good word for me. Are you looking at the warning signs? Because the Bible says eventually your sins will find you out. That goes for you and that goes for me. So where are we with Jesus? Stand to your feet. Thank you for your attention. That is part two of open my spiritual eyes. I'm asking God today to open my spiritual eyes so that I could see. Are you asking God to open your spiritual eyes so that you could see today? Where are you with Jesus? If you're here today and you absolutely, this has hit home with you and you know you've got to make changes Come to the altar and surrender your life to Jesus. You say, well, why do I have to come to an altar? This is a place where things die. You could go to an altar and you can turn it over to him. Let me ask you something. Why are you fighting turning things over to Jesus? Why are you fighting those things? Why are you doing that? You don't have to do that. God wants you to live the abundant life. Stop fighting. The altar's open. The altar's open. You have a sickness you want prayer about. You have uh, an addiction that you want victory over. You, you, Jesus can set you free. But we also have many, many things within our church that can help you. The first thing in getting better is to say that you've got a problem. Where are you with Jesus? The altar's open. open. The secret of love you want to draw closer to him, give it to him. You want to accept him into your life, you know that if you died today, you'd go to hell. Hit this altar, get saved, become born again. It's time to let go.
God knows where you are. Oh, he knows where you are. And he loves you. He's not mad at you. to him. You need to rededicate your life to him today. You can do that. Oh, that couldn't have been a better song, Andy. Oh, is he yours? Are you his? You belong to him today? If you don't, it's time to turn loose. Turn loose. Quit trying to live it. Quit trying to do it on your own. life of destruction and I'm enjoying it every little bit and I'm going to part hell wide open. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Hell is not a place where you're supposed to go. It's not real estate that you're ever supposed to occupy. It's a place for the devil and the false prophet. <laughs> it's not supposed to be for you. You say, well, why is such a loving God sending, uh, sending me to hell? No, you're doing it yourself. He's given you the line. He's told you where, how you need to go. encourage you to walk with him. Jesus, we love you. Oh, can you just spend 20 seconds just lifting your hands and worship him and thank him for what he's doing? See, what we do many times is we rely on ourselves. We rely on ourselves. We're relying on what we know. We're relying on our job to meet our financial needs, and that's not a bad thing. But let me tell you something. God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to walk by faith. Some of you all have the gift of faith. Some of you all have faith. And let me tell you something. We need faith to be able to walk this walk and to talk this talk. 
We need you, Jesus. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Get the Word of God in your heart. Get the Word of God in you. You don't know how much that I appreciate you being here today. And I want you to call out from the north, the south, the east, and the west for souls to come into the, come into the kingdom of God. Call them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Can you just spend just a, a few seconds just call and say, Lord, I call them from the north, the south, the east, and the west to the Pulse Church. Barb has heard people cry because they know that they need help. And Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you'll bring the ones that are crying, bring the ones that are hurting, bring the ones, Father, Lord, call them into the Pulse Church. Call them into the kingdom of God, Lord, in Jesus' name. From the north, the south, the east, and the west, call them in. Church, it's serious. It is serious today. It is serious today. It is serious today. This message will be on YouTube. Well, it's, on, it's live on YouTube and live on Facebook. Share it with people, would you? Share it with people, not to get my name out there or the Pulse's church name out there, but share it because there are people, there are friends. There are friends, over 3,000 people on my friends list. Some of them I don't even know. But I will tell you this, they're hearing the word of God if they'll click on it. They're hear the word of God if they click on it. Share it through messenger. Be able to let people know that Jesus loves them and cares about them. We need to become, we need to become focused on God's work. And we love it. We love you, Jesus. We pray for Winfield. We pray, Father Lord, for Gasaway. We pray, Father Lord, for the daycare, the Christian school. We pray in Jesus' name for what you're going to do around the world using the Pulse Church. And we thank you and we glorify you for it. Because it is in the name of Jesus that we ask these things. Amen. I will tell you this. Hold on. God's got great things ahead for you. He's got great things for you. Get involved. Get involved. Because God's doing some great things. If you are interested in being a part of the choir, you want to find out more about being a part of the choir, uh, if you can just kind of be right over here in this section. Uh, and uh, we'll come back in about five minutes. <coughs> and we'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Got some handouts for you. Uh, to, and I want to just kind of get things running uh, with you as well. So don't forget, if you're a parent, pick up your children. We left John Christopher one time at a church. We did. We left him, and, and somebody called, and they said, Christy was in one car, and I was in the other. And, 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 and she said, uh, we got home. It's back before cell phones. And she said, did, are you all forgetting something? And we thought, well, I guess so. And they had our son. <laughs>